Welcome once again to Jim and Pat's Glasgow West End Chat. My name's Jim Byrne and the Pat in the title is Pat Byrne. And this is episode 78 maybe? I'm not absolutely sure. In this episode I chat to Marion Calhoun, who is the head of props at Scottish Opera. And interestingly enough, Marion is my cousin. I've been, metaphorically speaking, chasing Marion for quite a while to get her to come and sit down and chat with me on the podcast. So I was pretty delighted when she agreed and I went to Scottish Opera's sort of, I don't know what you call it, warehouse, I suppose, where they have all their props and all the folk that work on the productions are located. And that was a couple of weeks ago now. And because Marion is such an enthusiast, she showed me around and I met quite a few of the other folk while I was there. Now, I won't preempt what Marion uh, tells us in the podcast, but what I would say is that uh, I loved uh, meeting Marion and chatting and finding all about her job and uh, her background and how she how she led, all the things that she did that led up to becoming the head of props at Scottish Opera. So I'll shut up and let's uh, hear from Marion Kilhoun. And that'll kind of get us started. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name's Marion Kilhoun and I am the Head of Props at Scottish Opera. Okay, Marion, I suppose we should uh, at least say that we're cousins. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we should be honest. And that we are aware of each other and we've met before. <laughs> A few times. <laughs> And that might, in some way, colour the interview. Yeah, there whether. may be tangents. Yeah, there might be something that might that might be relevant in some way along the line. But as I was saying, the idea is to find the route that, that's brought you to yeah. the job you're doing now. And usually, a good I know that you know. I have no idea what age you are, to be honest with you. <laughs> but it, it's a long journey, uh-huh. so we don't need to. Uh, it's been fairly long, I'll be, yeah. I'll be honest. <laughs> but with did you at least cover your early life? Yeah. <laughs> and anything that might have been relevant back when mm-hmm. you were a kid? Yep. You know, towards what you're doing now. When so I was bullied could, by my big cousins. Well, any, anything, so if you can remember when you, were, when, you were, when you were a child, some of the things that you were doing. Um, I guess I just was very aware of growing up in a big family right. and being surrounded by lots of aunts and uncles and people who made things and were craftspeople and right, tradespeople, okay. like okay. your father being one of oh, them. Oh right, okay, okay. Um, and just feeling like mm. I was in a big kind of crazy big house full of love and that anything could happen. Right. Um, but I guess I was also quite a shy and right. sensitive little creature. Right. Um, and, you know, I, did, I didn't really, this sounds a bit bizarre but I didn't really have many friends to play with so I used to right. take quite a lot of joy in um, making things and creating things right. um, until my confidence got a bit older when I got okay. a bit better when I was older. See, I, I don't know what age you are in relation to me. Oh, well, I'm, right. I'm 41. Right okay yeah. so, I mean obviously I knew you were younger. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm 57. Uh-huh. I didn't know how old you were. Ludicrous, isn't it? Yeah. Ludicrous. 
So uh, what, what you were saying about uh, when you were young in the, in the kind of family crowd, mm -hmm. I remember being at my granny's. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that as a yeah. kind of... Well, uh, that's, that's where I grew up. I grew up right. in that house. Right, okay. Um, and I so grew up... my dad's mum. Yeah, uh -huh. so I grew up in that house and it was a right. house where everybody visited. Right. There was always a bowl of soup for Obviously everybody. I know that, but you know, I'm kind of... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, it was a fantastic place to grow up right. and you were just surrounded by a lot... It was actually... A, a, there was eight brothers and sisters yeah. and there was a lot of people, you know, there was... Plumbers, builders, yeah. you know, it was very natural that, you know... Quite an unusual childhood, actually. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you probably didn't find it an unusual childhood, but looking from an outsider's point of view, obviously most people, like my mum and dad, you know, they live in the house with their, just their wains. Yeah. Uh, whereas that wasn't necessarily the case for yourself, was no, it? No, no, because, well, our house, people kind of came and went, but my uncle lived there. All the time right. as well, and right. uh, he was he was a, a kind of specialist artisan bricklayer, right, okay. <laughs> um, and you know he he was he was a fantastic influence. He was a very encouraging man. You know, um, you'd be out right. pottering the garden, making things with him. Yeah, um, yeah, very very special generation, I think. And was was your grand still there when you? Well. So my grand died just before I was one, so I never right. met any of my grandparents, so right. people, my aunts and uncles, including your mum and dad, right. you know, they were the type of people who took on that mantle, because right. my mum was oh, the youngest, right. okay. Okay. and I think they right. all felt individually right. that they would somehow be a replacement for my grandparents, right. so, you know, even at an early age, I remember, you know, your mum taking me to craft shows. Right, okay. Um, yeah. And, you know, because I was a crazy knitter. I well, loved, of course, my mum was a knitter, you yeah, know. Yeah, I was, right. I was obsessed uh, with it because yeah. we didn't get, it wasn't, we were not, we weren't poor, but we didn't have a lot of money, and so mm -hmm. you didn't get clothing and things that you didn't need. So yeah. I quickly found out if you made your clothes, and if you knitted your clothes, yeah. that was acceptable because you were making something and creating something. And, uh, you know, family members then took an interest in that and started to yeah. grow that. But I think it was always, it, I never thought it was going to be a career. It always felt it's just something that came quite naturally and yeah. um, I love doing. But I don't think you ever think as a young kid, well, this, no, you, don't. you can make a, a job out of any of this. No, that's you right. Know, you're just that type of household that makes things and no men's things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I should know more about this than I do, I don't. Well, that's I mean, the funny uh, thing because I have so many cousins <laughs> and because I'm the youngest of all of yeah. them, um, like there's there's a fairly big age gap and you're probably one of the closest oh, right, in okay. age. You know, we've right. got cousins who are, right. you know, now in their 70s, so yeah. You've got a sister. I've got, a, I've got an older sister, so yeah. she's um, two, two or three years older. Right, and did, did you use, were you as good pals when you were kids? Oh gosh, no. No, no, no we were, we were very much opposites. Right. Um, and I have to say, before I talk about that, I have to say we are great sisters now, mm -hmm. we're great mm -hmm. friends, you know. Um, now... Well, I put that on record that you're not. <laughs> no, I, I certainly don't. Um, but no, we grew up in it. I think, I think they mm -hmm. said that it's that two and a half year age gap, gap right. where sibling rivalry is the worst. Right, okay. And, um, you know, my sister and I, we couldn't have looked more different. Right. You know, my sister didn't look like we were all burns. There's right, a very okay. distinctive look yeah. of the burns in her family, yeah, all dark okay. haired. And yeah. um, she had this lovely kind of, you know, auburn curly hair and, you know, in a completely different belt. And, you know, there was a, she, you know, 
she, she was, we were just such different creatures. Right. Um, she was much more bolder than me, right. and I, I wasn't. And you know, we just didn't gel. You know, um, and it probably wasn't until we were in our thirties mm. until we, we had a fair shot at growing up. And that's interesting. Yeah. Also, I guess. No, no, you're you're, you're going good. Okay. Uh, I like sorry, that. I just, I it's, that it's really, uh, it's really nice talking about that stuff. Yeah. Talk about it. No, that's interesting because I mean, obviously, I grew up in a, a family with six kids. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the mad house. <laughs> and uh, my brother John was the closest in terms of he was he about the same uh, amount of years, yeah. two or two and a half. But we were pretty close when we were young. Yeah. Uh, and then the other folk above and below us were slightly more distant, doing their own thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, but um, we were both interested in music, which was one of the things. I, well, one of the things I noticed you spoke about before, and in the, you know, having read some of your other interviews, <laughs> uh, you'd mentioned. But you, it's one of the things you mentioned in passing. Yeah. Uh, but clearly, I know. Your dad's a musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a huge part. <laughs> so when of you life. were a kid, did, yeah. was that having an impact on you when you were a child? Massively. I mean, in one aspect that you you look, you know, I mean, both my sister and I have to say we dote we dote on our father. You mm -hmm. know, we we just love him. He's a very very kind man. Mm -hmm. But uh, he he's spent a lot of his time, you know, um, before we were born working with the army, he was a musician in the army yeah, yeah. and he was away a lot and then when we came along he did deliberately change that but right. he would be away or in tours in the summer and uh, yeah and he would be away at the weekends and during the week, mm -hmm. you know he's a very very hard working man because he also held down another job during right, the week okay, okay. Um, but he I would, didn't know that, yeah, full time no, right. no he, okay. he stopped being full time right. because we came along because right, he didn't okay. want to be, be going away all the time but the house was the most musical house. I mean, he was a saxophonist mm. and a clarinetist, but he was also, on the other side of that, a pipe major. Yeah, and yeah, I knew that. Yeah, yeah, and he taught the St Francis Pipe Band and the Gorbals. Right. So, you know, on a Wednesday night and a Saturday and Sunday, he could be working at the, the army, and then on a Friday night, he'd be over in the Gorbals, right. you know, uh, doing the pipe band. And what were you, I mean, in terms of music, were you hearing music in that house all the time? Oh yeah, and still mm. do. Okay. Uh, if the house, mm. I mean, I, I often wondered, you mm. know, how could neighbours like us? Because, um, and then, yeah. you know, I was desperate. I was desperate to either get onto the pipes or get onto the saxophone, but I was given mm. a recorder, which I found very frustrating. Why do people get recorders? That's just ludicrous. <laughs> I, know. I know. Have you ever put people off music for life? Give them a recorder. I know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and my sister had a violin, so yeah. I mean, okay. you know, someone learning a violin as well. I mean, yeah. the house must have sounded yeah. awful from outside. But um, no, it's interesting because I read some stuff. This is just a tangent, but it was just a. Mm. Um, maybe six months ago, I was reading stuff about kids growing up in musical households mm. and how it affects them uh, because a lot of your musical ability uh, and ability to, you know, like, what's, the, what's that phrase, uh, perfect pitch, mm. is all developed before you're five, uh, you know, so, and it's all to do with the richness of the environment you grow yeah. up in and the richness of the music you're listening to and, and even things like... Uh, your uh, language skills are all affected mm. at that age as well by the people that come into your life, you know, yeah. talking different languages. And yeah. So it's a very kind of uh, impressionable age. Not, it's, impressionable is the wrong word, it's, it's when your brain gets wired. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> so, so that might, you know, if you're growing up in a very kind of rich musical household, then that kind of an effect. Yeah, that explains why we all talk so much then, if it helps. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it has an yeah. effect on, your, on the skills yeah. that you develop. Oh, uh, I can absolutely you know. see that, yeah. I think we were, you know, without sounding too pious, I think we were really lucky in that our household was, as I said before, we didn't have a huge amount of money, you know, yeah. but it was one where if you wanted to play a musical instrument, if you wanted yep. to read a book, my sister was a great reader, you know, we shared right. a room and she would be every night, right. two o'clock in the morning, up reading, you know. It, there was all that stimulus for us, you know, okay. and then my mum, who loved to make clothes, you know, right. she... Right, okay, so that was an impact as yeah, well. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, you know, and it, 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 you were either, you were always doing something with your hands yeah. or creating something. Do you think the folk run about you made you think that this stuff was possible naturally? Because a lot of people don't necessarily think music is possible or making things is possible or doing yeah. this that and the next thing is possible because yeah. you know because your horizons can be narrowed yeah. by your environment as much as I don't think my parents ever did anything consciously to direct us no I don't mean consciously us. but yeah. just because of it they're a, they're a good example oh yeah you know? yeah I mean very mm. very lucky but there's the they were very kind of laid back people. They, they wanted us to do our best, but they yeah. always made sure that we, were, you know, that give it gives us space, mm -hmm. you know. And that, even now, I don't think they would ever feel like they've got any credit for anything that my sister and I have achieved, you know. Right. Um, but I look back and I just go, gosh, well, that's thank goodness all that stuff happened because yeah, for yeah. me, it's a, you know, it's the start of it, and you know, it makes a lot of sense. So I mean, I can imagine there's a lot of harmony when you're a, when you're a teenager or whatever, but. When you get beyond 13, 14, 15, <laughs> what happened then? <laughs> Did you have that sort of crisis with your parents and your, what you're wanting to do with your life when you were um, a 16-year-old? I, I, I actually think I was a bit of a late adolescent. Right. My sister was busy having the crisis right, in the okay. house first. Right. That took up a lot of room because she was a great teenager. Right. Um, okay. But I was very... I was really into my music by this point. Right. I was actually using as much time as I could to take music quite seriously. Right, and so tell me a bit about, about that. I mean, I'm always interested in music because yeah, I'm, I'm a musician. Well, but. Well, so I, was, I, I eventually was allowed to play my dad's soprano saxophone right. um, and then that moved on to tenor saxophone, which right. was quite ridiculous because I was quite tiny. Right, okay. <laughs> and I used to struggle through... Uh, I went to school in uh, Jordan Hill at St Thomas Aquinas right. and I used to struggle along... Um, Southbury Drive with my right. tenor saxophone and my pee kit and everything every single right. day um, but I, I I loved the music and I really right. at that point that's what I was going to do When you say you loved the music I mean obviously as a teenager mm. what you've got is your parents music yeah, and, uh, and the sorts of bands that your dad mm. played in and then you've got pop music Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and a lot of kids when they get to a certain age and they hear the pop music and their old pals are listening to the same thing, rebel a wee bit in terms of what they listen to when they were younger and what their parents listened to. Did that mm, never well, happen I, to you? Well, I think I had enough room in my head for everything. everything. I mean, I was right. very much, you know, I tried to be cool. You know, right. I was, I was, when I was a teenager, it was all about, it was just after you 2 were cool. So right, ADM okay. were the next kind of thing in Nirvana and ah, right, you know okay. we were really into that kind of music until I got into R&B which was a whole other story right, okay. but, cool. um, but I would say I mean one of my fondest memories is you know riding in the car with my dad while he would be playing his 
you know, he could be playing his jazz or right, he has okay. a crazy thing about Hawaiian well, music. Jazz is a great type of music yeah. to be listened to when you're young, actually. Yeah. It's quite complex harmonies, which yeah. is what develops the brain. Yeah. Strangely yeah. enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I think I probably got more into jazz right. around university. Right. I think I, as the R&B started, I really got into right. R&B and... And uh, I would sit and listen to my Trevor Nelson right. and, you know, on a, a Sunday okay. night it was. And so when you're thinking you want a career in music, what does that, what does that mean? I mean, I was quite, when it came to music, I was quite classical. Right. Um, you know, for somebody who played the saxophone, that's quite an odd thing to say. Right. Um, but I loved to play it. You know, I would play in wind bands, um, right. wind orchestras in, in the summer. And, I would, um, and then I went on to the Mary Hill wind band, right. which was quite a great source of musicians because you would get a lot of um, people who'd maybe wanted to be professional but then right. went or people who were teachers would play it right, so it was okay. a good quality um, but I was very at home playing classical music which right. is quite odd. What kind of cla what classical Gosh. music? Well I guess it would be more, um, you get a lot of wind band arrangements, um, right. some of the film music was just right, okay. you know, stunning um, and just blind. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Not to worry. Not to worry. It's so sorry. Um, Obviously, you're in here and you know all the music that, that goes on in there. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I hadn't discovered. Um, yeah. I hadn't discovered this kind of classical music no. yet. Um, but it was more, you know, like oh, we're playing Jurassic Park now. Right. So it's whatever the, the have to be. Yeah. Putting on it. Yeah. The and bands. I. Yeah. I. I really, really enjoyed that. And, and were I you involved it, in like the, the arrangement or the kind of creating of these things? Absolutely not. No. Like, absolutely not. I mean, looking back, I was somebody probably liked that because it was quite safe. Right, okay. When I later then started to play in the the Glasgow Youth. Um, jazz band right. um, down in it was uh, the Finiston down in Finiston and right, Anderston. Okay. Uh, even uh, I hated improvising. I was right. I suddenly became aware. I was getting that bit older and suddenly became a bit more embarrassed right. and a little unsure of my you know capabilities as a mm -hmm. musician. So I think I felt much safer when I had sheet music in front right. of me, and I do remember my yeah, dad. My dad had said to me, he was like, you know, because my dad was pretty self-taught um, and he did say, you know, the day that I learned to read music, the day I stopped being a true musician, you know, and I think I, mm. I was very safe at reading, but yeah. couldn't, you know. And wh wh when did you learn to read music, though? I mean, was that a young thing? Or primary was it? school, right, you know, okay. primary school. Right. And, and it was was just it was almost like it was another subject it was very very safe right. um but saying that i mean when i was at university i did go on and play and improvise in a, a funk band right. in glasgow which was a really like what university was it you were? Uh, glasgow university right. yeah and what top what were you doing there what top um, were you doing so or this was the literature no yeah so i yeah. did a my first degree i did a joint honors in scottish literature and theatre right. studies um, mm -hmm. But I'd wanted to originally study music, but they'd lost the acceptance of my form. Mm -hmm. my form. It, so I um, right. spent much of the first two years playing in the Glasgow Uni Orchestra and I'm playing in as many bands, pretending to myself, going, I can still make a career out of this. But eventually, you know, like other interests kind of took hold. Right. Know. So the music, uh, although you thought when you were a teenager or mm -hmm. early 20s, yeah, whatever yeah. it was, that that was the future. Yeah. You cooled on it. I, I, I certainly <laughs> did, yeah. Well, I think I just realised my capabilities, you know. Right. Um, and also, growing up in a household, watching 
somebody who's a very good musician. Yeah. My dad had such a discipline, right. which I didn't have. Yeah, it's interesting to me that because, I mean, I have used, well, used, that's the wrong word, I've had people in my band yeah. <laughs> uh, who, who were from the Conservatoire, mm. you know, that was the wrong word as well, but people that have played, uh, who either played off sheet music yeah. or had a kind of combination of that and a, and a history of playing jazz music. Yeah. And the folk who'd only ever learned through sheet music found it practically impossible mm -hmm. to play in the context in which I wanted them yeah. to play in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can believe <laughs> which it. Which was a lot of the time improvised. Yeah. Or not necessarily totally improvised, but if I was to give them something, mm -hmm. uh, a tune, they couldn't somehow get out with the boundaries. That would be me. Of <laughs> the tune they were given. Yeah, that would absolutely and, uh, be me. That would be a struggle. And my dad, on the other hand, he could do either. Yeah. So he's a true, you know, he's an yeah. excellent musician. Um, but I didn't want to go forward knowing that I wasn't going to be, right. that I was going to be weak at something, you know. But the thing is, I suppose, I mean, a lot of the folk I'm talking about, there, they weren't necessarily uh, hindered or lacking in confidence mm. because of that, because there's so many opportunities and jobs that yeah. don't require yeah. Improvisation. Most of it, if you're going through that route, most of it, in fact, doesn't require improvisation. <laughs> I know. I think it was. I think it was because my main instrument was saxophone. Right. It's something that was kind of like right. you don't want to improvise on your saxophone, right. you know. Okay. So I think there was. I, I quite understood. You know, get that. You know. Right. But you you went to you went to the conservatoire. Is that, is that so correct? I went to the conservatoire. Is that after your? Degree. Yeah, well, yeah, because so because I was like, oh, I'm not doing music. I'll just pick the closest thing to it. So right. I picked theatre studies, right. which um, was a really academic degree, right. and I'd always thought myself quite academic, but it, right. was, it was tough. It was right. really tough, and um, I but felt. Just to go back a wee teeny yeah. bit. When you were at the university, you did literature. Did you meet Jared Carruthers? I know the name. Because that's yeah. my that's well, he's a friend of mine, but he's yeah. mostly a friend of John's. Uh -huh. Grew up with John, grew up in Clyde I Bank, think John's mentioned him too, right, I okay. think that's why I know the name. Yeah, no, just because he's the sort of world specialist in Burns, as far uh, as I'm aware. Or, um, that's probably yeah. a bit crude, but... Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> he's pretty good. <laughs> he's good. <laughs> and I interviewed him not that long uh, ago. So I just popped into my head when you were talking about yeah. literature, I thought, oh, you must have came across that guy, because yeah. <laughs> he grew up in Clyde Bank, he's the same age as John. Yeah. I think he was in his, you know, school, almost through school with Anyway, so so you, so you did the literature, yeah, uh, and did you enjoy that? Was that something? I did enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I did enjoy it. Um, I had always thought I was an academic person, but I did right. find uni quite tough. What were you thinking you were going to do when you were doing that? Oh, that I don't point? know. I mean, I'd always through school, English had always been a strong, right. a really strong subject, and I'd had such a, a great relationship with my English teacher, Mister Gormley. Right that I felt like it was just something I had to do and I, I had to do something literature, you know. I I loved poetry so much right, that okay. that was one of my big loves when I was a teenager. You know, I don't really read much poetry now. So but, you're going to be a musician? Yeah. And now you're going to be something in literature. Well I was never going to be something but no, I, I just loved it. I, I just loved it and it was something that I'd always kinda of found, right. you know, quite quite naturally came right. to me, you know. Um and I'd had a great relationship at school with my tutor and well, my teacher even, and I just right. it felt like a natural thing. And I was always, I was almost 
already getting kind of slight national um, independence Amazing. for Scotland. You know, I was I had such an interest in what's going on in Scotland, and I right. thought I really want to maybe just do it was Scottish studies. It was uh, right. That's what you did at university. Yeah, as right. a, as part of my degree, it was um, right. language and literature. You know, right. so um, yeah, well, I'm that's really. A break. I mean. I mean, a lot of people do that kind of thing, tend to go into academia. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But you didn't? No. I mean, I I, I realised that I've got a huge daydreaming imagination right. and, you know, where I breezed through school. So was there things, see, when you were doing it at university that you thought, was there a point where you thought, okay, I, I'm doing this, but this isn't actually me? Yeah. I mean, when, I mean, I struggled to get through the amount of literature we were reading right. because I just, I was a daydreamer and right. I wanted to go off and I, and, you know, I wanted to be making things and I wanted to... Yeah, it's interesting as well because, I mean, you're in a very creative job right mm. now. A very creative job, which involves a lot of imagination and yeah. creativity. Use that word five times. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the, this is the thing about the music, you know, the music... Uh, you, you said like you were going to do something quite regimented with the music and then you were doing the literature which wasn't creative enough for you I suppose, I don't know but, uh, how, is that, how is that all in the mix at that I point? <laughs> I, I, honestly, I think I was just I think I was at university and I, I have to say I was very overwhelmed when I was right. at university <coughs> you know, I'd gone through breezed What age through, were you when you went? I mean, old enough to not be overwhelmed. I was right. 18, you know, but I'd breezed... 18, I'd, Well, I'd breezed through well, exactly school. exactly Yeah, but I'd breezed through school right. and, you know, just felt, thought, you know, well, things will be fine. But then I found myself at a big university where there was a lot of these students from other countries who'd had right. gap years and they were... Right. They were much more developed than I, I certainly was, right. certainly with their confidence and just knowing their way yeah. around. And I actually was... Quite intimidated. Is that a Scottish thing? I think it could be massively. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially in my theatre studies class, you know, right. uh, you know, we always kind of always kind of laugh and say that, you know, the theatre studies class at Glasgow University it's for people. I shouldn't say this on interview, but you know, they, they sometimes take difficult characters and put right. them into it because quite a social thing to do, and it right. can. Imp- but it was it was a tough class, you know, um, and I. What is theatre studies? So it's the kind of purely academic, well, it's the mainly academic um, study of, you know, theatre and critiquing it and then trying to direct yourself. Right. Um, it, it was... No, I want to go off that thread. You no, but it was very serious. <laughs> it, was, it was very serious, right. you know, and, you know, I, I just didn't find it that much fun, you right, know. Okay. Um, well, I've been finding it much, well, not that I found much fun. I was at university, I've never found any fun. But yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I thought it wasn't supposed to be fun. Yeah. Well, I, I think I just found but, having so much fun on the way right, there to right, uni, okay. and then I got to Glasgow and I went, oh, what's this about? Right, I, I, don't okay, feel like, right. I don't feel like I belong. Well, it wasn't, I wasn't scared of hard work, but right. I knew I didn't belong with what I was doing. There was right. something not right. But then, you know, working, at, I was in the theatre studies department and they just opened up the Gilmer Hill Centre right. at the bottom of the road and they'd started to put on a lot of productions. Right. And, and was that, that the point at which yeah. something turned? That was the point where they used to have these, um, they have, like they would call it, um, I think it was called Happenings. Oh, it, had this, it was some sort of festival. Right. And it was very kind of 60s, actually. Everyone would get, right, like, okay. you know, 10 minutes and they'd do a happening. 
Um, right. And but behind the stage, they needed stage managers. They needed right. different people who okay. would organise. So were things. you always even at that point the organiser and the, the uh, well, putting it together person, it, it or was, were you the person on the stage? It was part of the. It was actually part of your course, and right, so that you you that. had to do a part. Now right. you could be an actor, you right. could be a director, or you right. could be a stage manager. Right. To me, somebody who was feeling really intimidated by all these really like outgoing people, yeah. I was like, "Well, I'm going backstage. I'll yeah. help do that." And yeah, and it, yeah, and it was a few, you know, of working on these, and then suddenly, some of the shows required props, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, I, I just got yeah. so excited!" Did yeah, you know? the props. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't even realize, you know, yeah. this was a job. You know. What's well, interesting? I mean, we'll come back to that. Yeah. But I interviewed another guy. Uh, a couple months ago, who was a comedian. Mm. I can't remember his name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> no, I've got the worst memory in the world. He's on the telly. He's on that funny cop show. Mm. It won't come to me. That's right? okay. But I probably wouldn't know. <laughs> but what it made me remember was he said that he was he was he grew up in some quite rural place mm. in Scotland. Uh, I mean, if he's listening, he'll know I'm talking about because it's his story. <laughs> but in, in at school, he was good at basketball. Uh-huh. Now, this is a weird story. Yeah. Uh, so he was so good at basketball that he got a scholarship in America. Oh, wow. Right, so he, so he, so he comes from Scotland yeah, in a rural huge. background, yeah. sort of wherever. Mm-hmm. And uh, quite a conservative background. And you know what Scottish folk are like. Goes to America, he's in this... I don't know what they're called over there, college, yeah. uh, on this scholarship, clearly realises that basketball was a different game over there and he's <laughs> <laughs> never going to relax that yeah. you're, Well, you're tall in Scotland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not tall in America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're good at basketball in Scotland. You're not necessarily <laughs> going to be that good in America. So, so one of the things he said is that he went to this, uh, to do the, the academic thing, and all the colleges there I've got that the Glee Club. Oh yeah, right, everybody yeah. knows about the yeah, Glee Club, uh-huh. it's, it's, which they don't have here. They didn't have here when he was a student. And he says, and from day one, you arrive at the class and they've got you standing up and you've got to do some kind of theatrical thing. From, yeah. You know, you walk in, you've never done this in yeah. your life. And you've got all these incredibly confident people around about you oh, doing this, and it's crippling. And, it, and he said it was like it, it was. It was just like a huge different world. Yeah. But it was the thing that changed his entire life because he went from being this quite kind of, uh, I can't, I'm, I'm probably over-egging the pudding at me, but, mm. but somebody who had never done anything like this, probably quite shy, yeah. to having to be out there. Mm-hmm. And those people over there yeah. are big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> compared to most Scottish yeah. people. So he so got this taste. Because we're doing it all the time, it was just part of the course, part, part of all the curriculums uh-huh. over there is that thing, that glee club thing. Uh-huh. And it just changed him as a person. Yeah. So when he came back here and he went into theatre, he became a comedian, yeah. and he's still a comedian, but he also did acting. And that was, the, that, was that point, yeah. that, that one day when he arrived and he had to do this thing, changed it's, his entire life. That's incredible, you know? just facing all those... And I, mean, I think it was, part of it was because it was so unexpected mm-hmm. And he didn't know that that was what was going to happen. Yeah. So he turns up for the first day and, you know, like any student, you don't think you're going to be doing anything. You know? yeah. <laughs> and then they've got you, I can't remember what it was, I think they, they did some performance, they all did a performance, and he had to do a performance. 
and suddenly, you know, his whole world changed. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because I'm, you know, now I feel like, you know, I'm really confident at what I do mm -hmm. and I can, I feel I can walk into a room and, you know, I've got my staff yeah, and yeah. everything. Now. I'm quite fine. But I sing in a choir and right. um, sometimes, every time there's a new term, at the choir, right. they'll do these exercises and it kills me inside and it's all these getting right. to know each other exercises, right, okay. it's a bit like the Glee Club yeah. and um, I've been in this choir for three years so I'm right. used to it and a couple of weeks ago we did one of these exercises and it was standing in a circle right. and having to sing to each other in right, small okay. groups right. and I actually like froze, I was right, just like okay. I can't do this, I can't do it. so I get, every now and then it comes back to me that just oh yeah, I actually yeah. be, you it's know. that kind of shyness isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you think mm -hmm. you'd be over it by now, but <laughs> yeah. So you so you didn't do the, the act. You didn't go the acting route. No, no, I saved <laughs> and the shock everyone about, for and that. Turned your head <laughs> like that guy. No, <laughs> he no. suddenly realised that was just, what he liked. Just turned it the other but way. But you you decided no, I don't like that. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> no one needed that. <laughs> and from that, was that what made you think I'll sign up for the um, uh, conservatoire? Well, actually, I was given a job. Well, I, I got a job in the summer that year. I mean, it started, to, I sparked an interest. I didn't right. know there was any of these, really didn't know much about it yet, about these jobs in the theatre. But TAG Theatre, the uh, theatre in Glasgow, yeah, the education. I know the name. Yeah. Um, I was asked to be a, an assistant stage manager for them. Right. Um, uh, it would have been, gosh, the summer of either 1999 or 2000, I can't remember. I think it was right. 2000. Right, okay. Um, and I did a whole summer with them and it was fantastic and we worked at the Citizens. And right, okay. And that, at that point I thought, right, this is it. Because it's been, I, I was working with another ESM and ESM was assistant stage manager right, okay. and he was doing the, the props right, and I was just, okay. oh, I was like, oh, that's a fantastic job. Look at all the interesting things he's doing. Right. Were you doing props with him at the time? No, I, I wasn't getting to you do You were just props. kind of looking on enviously. I was, yes, <laughs> very enviously. And we've, we've talked about this in years. Right. I've, I've told him how jealous I was. Right. Um, but, oh, and I've liked it. Where was I going with that? No. <laughs> uh, this was when I asked you if you had you went to the conservatoire because of that, and oh, I said, yeah. no, no, I took the volunteering yeah. and did the, it wasn't a volunteering, it was um, a placement, was it? One of the interesting things, working with this ASM, we were both about the same age, and we would keep, right. we kept getting introduced to people, ah, right. and they would say, where are you studying, and I'd say, Glasgow University, and he'd be right. like, uh-huh, and then he would say, oh, I'm at the RSAMD, and they would all flock to him, and they'd be ah, all right. like, oh, well, you must know so-and-so, you must, ah, right, okay. so I could see straight away, you know, whether I needed to go to, right. you know, learn, I certainly needed to go to get contact. So the idea maybe occurred to you that if you want to be in this world, yeah. <laughs> there are places you need to go. Basically, that was it. So yeah. I, I made up my mind and, and I wanted to apply to right. be a, a stage manager. So you finished your, your degree at Finished the University. degree, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> got there. Good. It was painful, but I got there. Right. Um, and then I worked for a year. And I saved up my pennies so that I could afford to right. um, go off and study at the what's now the conservatoire. Right. What was the course you, you joined? Um, so it, the course has changed over the years, but it's still the same course. It was technical and production art. Right. Okay. Um, so it, when I was doing it, they called it the carousel. It was a bit like being an apprentice in a real theatre. Right. You did six weeks right. in every single subject. So ah, you were right. a carpenter, okay. you were a lighting technician, a sound technician. That's a good idea. Well, it's because I think the whole idea was you appreciated other disciplines so that yeah. you didn't 
you know, end up all fighting with each other. Right. Um, and then you would specialise. Right. So um, I was heading towards design, but I came back and I was like, no, I really want to concentrate on the making subjects. So right. I concentrated okay. on props and costume and painting. Yeah. I suppose if you've got a bit of a... Uh, Skill for design, that's going to be pretty big in props as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, it's, it is really, it's really helpful, but I mean, jobs mm. for designers are so few, and yeah. I thought if I concentrate on the actual, you know, on these kind of making skills, right. if I work at that, then even if I wanted to be a designer in the future, right. I've got that foundation. Yeah, yeah. But I ended up just really loving the making side of it more than anything. Yeah, that well, was interesting. I mean, I suppose. No, that I mean, it wouldn't have occurred to me you know, that, that a job even existed. Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> when I was young, you know. No, not at all. Uh, I don't know. But I suppose if you you don't know until you see it, mm -hmm. and then you know the other the other thing is if you you know we're talking about I don't know if I said this before turned us on or not, but when you come across people who inspire you, yeah. or you know kind of make are like models for who yeah. you might be in the future. I suppose at that point you start thinking, yeah, I can maybe do that, yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny, I think actually just for being a woman or a technician in the theatre, right. even back at Gilmer Hill days, um, it was a woman called Ruth Alexander who right. was um, the technician in there. And that was the first kind of young, quite, you know, feisty, vivacious right. woman, you know, who was on top of her job right, you know, as a theatre okay. technician and I just thought she was brilliant and we used to work long long hours right. you know lighting shows together and I was in awe and I thought right. and she had such a lovely manner about her and I thought right. if I could have all these skills to work in the theatre and also be such a decent nice person yeah. that's what I, you know yeah. I well, that's like, interesting because one of the things I'd written down before uh, earlier on when I was just looking at your you know, I was on the internet and looking at things and <laughs> <laughs> remembering the interviews and stuff. Uh, one of the things I was thinking about is you have, to have skills which are, you know, the kind of management skills or yeah. people skills. Yeah. Uh, and although, again, I haven't worked in any kind of environments like you've worked in, I've run a lot of bands. Yeah. <laughs> and the skills are really the same to a certain extent. Yeah. Keeping people happy and keeping people feeling that they've got an investment in what yeah. they're doing. And, that valued, and it, is, you know? it is really hard because, yeah. I mean, I, I know, I think back now to what I was, must have been like to manage because yeah. I, I think prop makers and creatives, it's, confidence is a huge, yeah, yeah. huge thing and it goes up and down and, you know, that leads to people being defensive. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and well, that's right. So you need yeah. to have skills to be able to run a team yeah I mean uh, I, I, sometimes I think I do it really well and then sometimes I go oh my goodness what's what have I done <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. um you know I've, I've been parts of you know teams that are really unhappy you know and because and a lot of a lot of you know problem with the creative world is it tends to be people who are really good at creating mm. who then just get bumped up to managers and most of right. them don't have those. They don't have those skills. They don't have those skills, yeah. and it can be actually quite damaging for the team. Yeah. You know, um, so I, I do try. I do try. How did you learn those skills? I mean, I, I feel like I'm still learning them. Right. Um, it's it's trial and error, but it's that whole thing. It's going to sound really, but I just do think back. I think right. right. I don't want to be treated the way that I was treated in a lot of workshops, right. and I, I just try to be really fair to people. Right. Um, you know, and I try to give people, I try to, especially young people come through as much as a chance as possible. Right. But 
quite often it's it's about trying to find a balance of, of diff those different personalities. First of all, you want yeah. a balance of their skills. You yeah, know that's sure. really important. But you know the, some of the personalities can, can knock each other off, and that's something that I think I'll always have to continuously keep an eye on. Just yeah, and I suppose you need to know who who they are and what sort of sets them off and yeah. what they need. You know. Yeah, and uh, it, it's it takes up a huge amount of yeah. your time and. It's funny because, like, I'm becoming aware of um, the way I am now. I make less and less because I spend right. so much time trying to make people comfortable enough to work their best, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, and that's something, you know, I've thought about recently. I'm like, I really need to pull that back a bit anyway because I also want to be making yeah, more Yeah, you myself. want to be doing the job yeah. rather than being the manager. Exactly. <laughs> and, and what's the point? And also, what's the point in saying that you're the manager? Of something when you've stopped making yourself, you yeah, know. Yeah. I need, you know, who wants a manager like that? So yeah, that's right. So. Again, I mean, uh, when I, it reminds me when I used to. I was a lecturer for a while at Glasgow Caledonian University. Yeah. And uh, I remember things related to that were like the IT department mm -hmm. would be like the person who's in charge of the IT wouldn't have a clue as to what's going on in the world. Yeah. They're not reading any. You know, they're not reading the latest, uh, I don't know, magazines or, yeah. or whatever. They're not keeping up. Yeah, current affairs, really. Yeah, yeah. So, so what they're doing is they're making really terrible decisions mm -hmm. about the technology that they put into the university. Mm -hmm. Because they don't know that the thing they've just bought for £100,000 is on the way out. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what a great investment. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know what I mean? So they've lost the connection. Yeah. They may well have been an enthusiastic computer person when they were younger or whatever. But they're so far away from it now that they haven't got a clue what's going on. Yeah. And they're managing people and they're forcing people to do things that the people that they're forcing to do know that it's the wrong thing. Yeah. You know, uh, but the environment doesn't allow them to, to yeah. tell the manager. You I, know. I mean, I guess I'm the only full-time member of staff in the, in the props department at Scottish right. Opera because it's so rare to even have, have a props department right, in a okay. theatre. Um, so all the other staff are freelance. I've got, I've got one kind of junior and assistant who right. tends to be there pretty much the whole year, but the rest right. are brought in for their skills according okay. to what jobs we've got on. And I guess that's the way that I hope that I can keep the workshop fresh in that it should be freelancers who are going around right. and they're keeping their eye out yeah. for what's... And then, you know, they bring that back into my workshop and then I can learn from that as well. Right. But there's also, you know, there's a world of suppliers in theatre, uh -huh. you know, some places like Flint, Sh uh, Chandler's, and um, they come out and they talk to you about all the latest you know, right, materials. Okay, so, keep you up to date. so I think that's one way of doing it, but it's, it's you know, being aware that you have to continue your learning. Yeah. And it's quite difficult in theatre because your time is so tight for everything. I can imagine. It's a roller coaster, you know, of a season. Yeah. And then you're just hoping for some sign to sleep after it. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, We'll push it on a wee bit because yeah. it's <laughs> been a long time on the kids yeah. and the youth. Yeah. But at some point, obviously, you got a job and. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what did I get. What All the education was behind oh, you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my first job was actually a cracking job. Um, I'd done some work placements when I was at the conservatoire. Right. Um, and I'd ended up, a designer had taken me out to Denmark to oh, right. do new opera, which was the new Danish opera. Right. And um, this was where it 
became quite handy that I hadn't done design, that I'd done all the making skills because right. she was a designer ah, that right, wanted okay. someone. So it's quite a good team. Uh, I was, she wanted someone to support her. So I ended up um, going out and working in the marriage of Figaro, mm-hmm. or Figaro's Brulup, as it was in Danish. Ah, and right. okay. um, it was incredible. You know, like my first experience, I mean, I, I don't know how I, I had the guts to do it. I, right. I, probably had about £60 in the bank. Right. I was going off for six weeks. Um, I remember one of the, the staff member, you know, one of the bosses at the, the academy saying, are, are, your, are your parents rich? And I was like, no. And he was like, have a loan, have this, you know, like, you know, right. making sure but that I wouldn't um, go, go hungry. Yeah. But I remember arriving in Denmark and it was minus 20s, right. 20 even, and uh, I had my wee, my wee trainers on and right. n- n- was not prepared at all. But they were incredible. They set me up with a flat. They right. gave me a bike. They bought me a bike, a short bike because right. I'm not Danish. Right. And they had to okay. get me a, a small one. <laughs> um, and they That's really, amazing. That's yeah, a great experience. It just wasn't the kind of experience you would get mm. in the UK because yeah. they invested in young people. Mm-hmm. So um, I was out there for about six weeks. That must have affected you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Kate went out for six weeks and then the day that I got back into the academy, there was another designer who'd heard of me and ah, was working right. in the same Danish. Right. Opera right. House doing Wagner's right. Ring Cycle, okay. which is huge. So he asked me to assist him on that. That's so I went good. straight And were you doing your professional Scots person when you were there? <laughs> As in special? <laughs> Scottish special? <laughs> no, well, it was, I was kind of overlooked when I went oh, out. Right. Well, when I went out the second time, I went out with a designer called Roy Bell, who was Scottish but had right. lived in London since he was, he was 18. Right. But he was a red-haired man who right. looked like the most Scottish person right, right, you can okay. imagine. So I didn't particularly look Scottish right, compared to him. Play that card. I, I didn't get to play that card. No. I was just um, oh no, I was Maid Marion. They called me Maid Marion, oh, right. or little. Okay. I used to have a, a red jacket, so they called me oh, Little yeah. Red Riding Hood okay. or Maid Marion, okay. um, and I loved it. Um, right. So I was out there for two years on yeah. and off working on their productions. Right, makes me think. You know that this related, but when you were doing that, when you were young, I don't know young, but when you were starting out in yeah. the kind of professional world. Did you come up against like any sexism? And I mean, was oh, that? Yeah. I mean, I have to say, I didn't. I, certainly, when I was in Denmark, you know, right. they were so nice to you. It was all right. it was all men, but you did right. get treated as a little girl, right. you know. Okay. And sometimes you just go, "That's fine." And right. when you're learning, you're like, "Right, you know, what? I'll play this yeah. card just to learn yeah. more." Yeah. Um, certainly, when you I was working in the workshops in London, you you had a you could. You know, there could be sexism, there could also be sexual harassment, right, you know. Okay. There was a lot of mind games that would be played. And, right. you know, I think a lot of my closest pals come from that time because we were always survivors right, in okay. the workshops together because right. we were, there's a kind of habit of getting young, young, it tends to be young women with prop makers um, into these workshops because they're quite cheap. Right. And you're just green right. and, you know, you'll take anything, but... You know, and then it's it's almost like a rite of passage, but you know it's either for you, it toughens you up, yeah. or, or you just move on. Um, but certainly, a lot of my closest friendships are right. And as a world, as a, is the props and theatre world mostly male, or is it just a no? I think mix it's a good. 50/50? I think it's a good mix. Right. It's, it's it's a good mix. Um, certainly, I mean, I, I'm not just saying this because I'm in Scotland now, but right. I've never had that kind of, you know, major issues with sexism right. or anything here. Um, I suppose it's a more kind of artsy, artsy-farty world, which mm. tends to be less macho. I mean, it's absolute garbage I'm talking about. Um, 
I mean, I've had my points where I've had to stand up mm. to men and say, talk to me like I'm a human being. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And they can be shocked when you, you, know, you, right. you, you stand up to them. Right. Um, because, you know, you're talking about the construction world as well. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, it, there's so many different elements of yeah, set construction. Right. Yeah. Um, you can have outside people coming into your company for, you know, you may have a lovely staff that you work with all the time, but you'll yeah. have people yeah, coming in and out and they take a lot of their outside you know, they'll bring in a lot of their yeah. outside bias. I suppose they make assumptions. Exactly. Yeah. And they don't know, and they can look at you and say, well, physically, you're a, a young, well, not young, but you're, you know, a, a small female. You can't do this, you can't do that. And there's still, that still does go on. Right. But um, I think the people that are certainly around you right. know that that's not the case. And what about the props world itself? Is, is that a mix or is that, is there a sort of niche? I think it's a, I think it's a mix. Right. Um, I, I, you know, my department at the moment is mostly female, but I wouldn't say that's representative yeah. of all over. I mean, props is a bit of an oddity because people can train as a prop maker, but they can also come in from engineering world, or they can come right. in from all different, you know, like, they can have had careers before, no yeah, brain. Because yeah. there's a lot of really inventive people, so yeah, yeah. you get a real mix of genders. Yeah, I'm kind of interested, to a certain extent, in these kind of things, because, you know, we walk into, I don't know, the... Uh, uh, Clothing, uh, the, the costume, costume yeah. and it can be all women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You walk into the construction and it can be all men. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's 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 it's, it's funny because um, it's not normally like it's not normally right. like that, and we've only had one female um person working in construction since right. I've been here. Right. Uh, but amongst a, you know a load of guys who have. There's no sexism no, or anything. I'm not making any comment. No, 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 I know, but that, that I find that weird myself. You know, <laughs> I find that strange. Yeah. Um, but there's certainly not, you know, there's a lot of people coming out of the college, you know, like, yeah. so my assistant, she, like, I weld, she welds. Yeah. She's a great carpenter. I'm not a great carpenter, I love the lathe. Yeah. But we've all got those skills. Yeah. Um, but I guess people... I don't know why people end up in certain departments. I guess it's whatever they feel most comfortable in. And also what models they have when they're, when they're young yeah. and also what expectations are put mm. upon you. Because you yeah. know, one, one of the things is people would, again, slightly off uh, something. When, when people t say to me, oh, you know, like it's all about, you know, say it was like getting a job. Mm. Oh, it's all about skills. It's nothing to do with their, their sex. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's all, do they have the skills? Do they have the experience? We'll give them the job. Mm. Which I always say, well, of course, if you hadn't had the experience, maybe there was a reason they didn't have the experience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they couldn't get the experience yeah. because, you know, they're discriminated against. Yeah. Uh, so they've, they've arrived at this point, and they've not had the same opportunities. Well, the disability world, which I tell you, working uh -huh. is very full of this kind of mm -hmm. stuff. You know, they won't give you a disabled person a job because yeah. they don't have the same ex experience or whatever yeah. as this other person. Why have they not had the same yeah. experience? Well, because their entire life mm -hmm. they've been discriminated against. Didn't get the same educational opportunities, didn't get the same edu uh, employment opportunities, didn't all yeah. along the, the way they've not had the same opportunities. Mm -hmm. Is it a surprise that when they end up trying to get that job, they don't have the experience? Mm -hmm. And what can you do about that, you know? I mean, I, grown up, I never felt like I was in any way, you know, at a disadvantage from no. being female. But as I've got older, I've no I noticed things, right. you know, and I noticed 
some, you know, the way I get spoken to, or, mm. you know, and I wonder, would that have happened if I w was a man? So I noticed that as I got older, mm. and I do, you know, I don't know, is the world actually getting worse? I'm not sure, I think it could be. Yeah, yeah, I think there's been a bit of a tipping point recently. Yeah, I think there may have been, um, and I do discuss it with other women I know, you know, mm. in the arts, and, you know, we do wonder, we like, do we get, you know, we're in these great positions, yeah. you know, but there's definitely times we get spoken to and we think, hold on, would you have spoken to, yeah, yeah. you know, a man like that? And is this a horrible thing of going, also knowing that some of these men, they would be horrified if they knew that they were talking to us. I don't think they're even conscious yeah, yeah. of the way that they do yeah. talk to us. Um, but I, I'm certainly more aware of it and I yeah. do fight now much more for my right. rights, you know, for right. equal pay, for everything, and make sure right. that, you know, that things are balanced. And I suppose if you're aware of it as well, and that helps you to make sure it doesn't happen for other folk. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, that you don't perpetuate the same, yeah. Uh, yeah. whatever the word is, the same yeah. somethings. So it's biases, yeah. subconscious yeah, biases. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but so. no, it, it's, I think I, about a year ago, I, I this is slightly off No, we can, we can delete anything you don't want. <laughs> no, but I did have my, like, the Brett Kavanaugh moment, and oh, yeah. I, I did, like, have that. And I think it's that um, moment I should have had maybe when I was about 15 when I realised that not, right. you know, the good people don't necessarily win in this world. Right. And I really had that kind of, God, this is the world that women are living in now, right, you know, right. moment. Um, so... I wouldn't say that I've been disadvantaged, but I've certainly come, mm -hmm. come you know, I've had my battles, yeah. you know, and I've fought them, and so far I'm doing all right. But you must have, uh, you must have a lot of confidence, though. I mean... I feel really confident in what you, I do with this, yeah. You're at the top of a particular tree here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this Which is unusual, tree. you know, because you're still quite young. Mm. Not quite young, still young. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> Well, you're in a very responsible position, yeah. and you've done. You know, again, I've looked. At, I've been looking at your uh, stuff on the internet. You've been in a lot of different companies. You've worked down in London. Yeah. Uh, so anybody who manages to get to the position you're in needs, mm. needs to have had confidence and skills, and mm. probably a bit of a. And gumption is the wrong word, but. Uh, I would say graft. I graft, feel like that was yeah. the, the main part of right, it. You know. Graft. Yeah. But also, what's, what is that word? Uh, ambition. Yeah, I, I am competitive. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, it's funny, I can't think it starts off, in the workshop it used to start off with, right. oh, you're getting that job, I would have loved to make, you know, but right. you would never, you wouldn't be annoyed with your pal, but you'd all yeah. be like, oh, you're, right. you know, it used to just be the ambition to get to make something beautiful. or, right. um, And then, uh, when I moved back to Glasgow, I didn't know if I would ever be a prop maker again. Right. Okay. And you know, I came into Scottish Opera and they gave me a bit of freelance work and just being able to see the possibilities. There wasn't right. really a particularly strong props when you department. Back, when you started here, you say you came in, uh, it was somebody else was doing your job at the time. Yeah, right? just about to leave, actually. Right. Ah, it was right. very strange timing. Right, okay. yeah. um, the, the person was leaving and um, I was coming in as a freelancer to, right. to make some sewing machines right. and it was very odd because of the Those are the ones I saw down the stairs? Yes, uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm very fond of them because right. it was the first thing I made here right. but um, yeah, I was coming in just, you know, to, for a week or so right. to do these um, 
and it was really odd because as a freelancer you usually get shown the toilets and where to get a cup of tea or something right, okay. but I was getting shown everything and right. I thought that really odd so yeah. it, it, you know it, I was made to feel very at home and you know plant my feet here but with Scottish Opera you know it's very very difficult to get you know even think of having a permanent job because right. you know um, there aren't that many there, there, just, there just aren't that many and yeah. most people are freelancers so I really, really worked my socks off to try to show them how much I cared and, and that I really wanted to be prop making in the building. And I did that and I stumbled on on these tiny little, you know, week to week or month to month contracts. And then I got offered the Commonwealth Games. Right. And I went off and uh, was head of props for the uh, opening and closing ceremonies. Right. Had you been a head of props down in London? No. No. No, I mean, so this is the thing, you know, I, right, okay. I'd been at the... Well, I'd been in London for maybe about five years and I'd, you know, after leaving Denmark. Just for the sake of folk listening, yeah. wh- wh- where was it you were working in London? So I started off working in London in workshops and studios. Right. And those studios you basically could be making for any theatre company. Right, okay. You could be making for television. Right. Um, so a lot of that work would be West End shows. Right, and so it's musicals. like a supplier of... Yeah. So right. it's actually a really great way to right, learn because right. you go in... And you could be asked to make anything. It's also terrifying as a young prop maker. But it's a great, great kind of like apprenticeship. So I'd gone down there after leaving Scotland and Denmark. And then I worked for a a man called Robert Allsop, who is a specialist costume prop uh, maker. So that's a really difficult discipline because that's that's like masks and body armour. I mean, he's really, really fantastic and... That was tough. He right. he's a hugely creative. He's a creative genius, you right. know. And um, he must be interesting what you rub up against folk like that. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But the thing was, I was always quite ignorant, you know. I remember I didn't really know much about him, and I should have done right. more research. And I went to meet him, and I tailored my portfolio to just being a generic portfolio. Right. So I didn't have any costume ah, right, stuff. Okay. And he looked at me like, "Why are you here?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and right, okay. I. I remember I've never been so nervous. I've almost lost right. the ability to speak English. Right. I, was like, I don't don't know why I'm here either, <laughs> you know, because I looked around and I was like, oh my gosh. And he said, we'll, we'll have you in for a trial. So right. he had me in for a day and then right. he got me back. Spaniard, Spaniard magic. Well, no, like I, got, I was in for a day and then I didn't hear from him for like a week or so. And, right. and then he said, like I, kept, I did keep phoning. Must, must, must have been uh, something I liked about you. Well, I actually think at those points with... It could just be desperation, you know, looking for somebody. But they, they were working on a big film at the time. It was a Robin Hood film. Right. With, um, oh, what's his name? Oh, sorry, what the Big director. Uh, I wouldn't know. Oh, he would, uh, oh my God. Kevin Costner. Costner, whatever his name he, he was in a Robin Hood film. That's the whole thing I know. Uh, oh, I can't know. Kevin um, Costner. No, it uh, God, that's a tale. I was about to see how I could. I didn't know who this famous director was, and now I can't even remember his name. Right, okay. Um, oh God, he's huge. Anyway, um, so I worked on the. I worked. On, I got invited to work on this film with right. Robert, and um, I got to meet these beautiful masks for Robin Hood. Right. And it was incredible. And right. they'd been finding it difficult to figure out what these masks should be. They'd been right. working on for a while. And then Robert worked on them with me and we presented them to the director. Uh-huh. 
and uh, he loved them. Right, okay. And so it was this great experience of such a genius like Robert taking an interest in you right. and then you suddenly feeling like, oh, I might be a bit creative yeah. and I might not just be pretending, you know. Right, okay. So so that creativity thing, you know, that's important, mm -hmm. isn't it? I mean, it's like a realisation that you, you might be able to do this job. Yeah. <laughs> that's it, that's it. You know, and it also, I think with anything you do creatively yeah. it's allowing there to be a sense of play about things yeah um and i remember because you, you often know you from designs you'll get a lot of images a lot yeah. of different images and then you'll have all these materials and it's just to kind of loosen up enough to allow yourself yeah. just to be playing and looking and creating same something. with music really or yeah. writing a song or whatever you know yeah. same idea absolutely yeah. so so i can just about loosen up enough i couldn't do yeah. that with music but so I there's can... a kind of process uh with um talking off the top of my head here I would imagine there's a process which is the yeah. same within any creative yeah. pursuit, which is the kind of you can do anything with this. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's that period at the start where yeah. let's not restrict ourselves. Yeah. Who knows where this will go as long as it ends up in something magical. Exactly. But no, we don't, let's not pin it down yet. Yeah. Well, that, I think that's exactly, and that's why I love my job now is because. I work with the designers yeah. to then work with the makers. I'm the person right. in between right. kinds of, you know. Yeah, that's a good that's It's, a, good it's job, a really nice place to be at, and I love it. Um, yeah, I didn't even know it existed. So. Right. Now, I'm interested in that, that, that interface, because I'm interested in creativity and I'm mm. interested in the whole sort of, you know, like uh, they're coming up with something, and obviously, you know, they're human beings as well, they've yeah. got their own worries and, yeah, <laughs> and I then think, they're meeting you yeah, I think it's about I don't know if it comes with the experience you know you'll know yourself as a songwriter mm -hmm. because you know you, you'll know you eventually get there mm -hmm. it's knowing that well that's it's, right it's exactly. not having the doubt funnily enough I mean you know I, I don't know if I told you I probably did that I'm putting together a songwriting course at the moment mm -hmm. have been for, for a while yeah. haven't had any time recently to do it no unfortunately because I'm too busy but one of the things I'm, I'm, I talk about in the course is this idea of belief yeah. Because there's always a point when you're creating anything where you think this is complete shit. Yeah. And it has to go through that phase usually, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yesterday it was genius, yeah. today it's rubbish. Yeah. And and I can't see any way through to get to the end of this. Yeah. And the only thing that you've got is the experience that tells you believe it will happen. Yeah. Well that that is it. Um, you know. And I always say that because you know, a lot of the guys who come in the door, they will just have like, oh, not breakdowns, I don't want yeah. to say that, but, you know, real crisis of confidence. Yeah, yeah. And I, and they're like, is it always going to be like this? Yeah. And I remember, like, I used to, my work consumed me. Like, yeah. I was always, I would be making something and I'd go home at night and all I could think about was how I was making the next bit and yeah. how I wasn't doing that bit good enough. And I, did that. I think the way I look at it now is, I think after a while you just get too tired to keep putting your brain through that. Right. That, well, it's funny, you know. again, you know, like you're, that's, it's solution oriented, you know, mm. you kind of try to solve a problem yeah. all the time, which is a part of the creativity. But the, the, the notion of when you know it's finished mm -hmm. is always quite interesting as well. Yeah. And for me, if I'm writing a song, it's finished when I lose interest in it. Mm. That's when it's finished. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to the end of the yeah. process. There's no more exploring to be done. No more uh, changing to be done. I'm fed up with it. It's finished. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know whether that's the same. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know... But yours is definitely more structured. Well, there will be a sense of structure, depending on how, you know, organic, yeah. you know, the design process is with the designer. Um, sometimes you are just left with 
a load of images and has to come up with something new. Sometimes right. you'll be given something that's very specific. Right. To be honest, more often yeah. it's your life with lots of images. Right. So the designer, uh, I mean, each production has mm. clearly got a number of different designers, but from your perspective, is the designer coming with something more or less all worked out? Or, or are they coming with an idea and um, talking to you about it? Well, so in opera, just because the timescales of things, right. um, it'll be more advanced than it would in the theatre world. Right. Um, but they should be coming, they'll come to us with a scale model. Right, okay. Um, and that'll give us the idea of what the set's going to be yeah. like. And in our department, we'll also help if there's any kind of large sculptural things on the set right, or, right. you know, decorative elements, yeah. we'll do that. So those things are usually marked out. Um, right. And, you know, from a physical point of view, you're like, right, I've got the shapes spot on, that's fine. Right. There can be a lot of talk possibly over the finish of the paint effects right, okay. because, you know, you're taking into so, so many different things. You're taking into, you've got to take in the lighting as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, you know, over experience, you know, the designers will be like, I want this painted a certain way because yeah. I know the light will... Yeah, they, they, they know how it works. Yeah. Because you know, uh -huh. they can see it in their minds, right? There's a language. Yeah. There's a language yeah. to the scenery. Um, but with smaller props, those can be a lot more... Anyway, uh -huh. you just do... Yeah. They say we want something like this. Uh-huh. And, th and that way I try to keep communication, you know, like, right. I mean... It's great, you know, camera phones, you just take a picture and then you send it to a designer right, okay. within. Yeah. And, you know, you can even, you know, video things yeah. to them. So that these days it's a lot easier to kind of communicate yeah. things. Because designers, I always liken them to, like, when you're working in opera, it's a bit like they're, you know, football manager stars. You right. know, they're, they're, yeah. they're really, you know, they're international stars in that yeah. respect. And they can be managing so many projects. Right. Um, and they can't all they can't spend that much time physically right. with you. So So if you're aware of that, you can help them by not bothering <laughs> too much. Yeah. Just making something that you think this'll work. Yeah. In the context of this. Well don't get me wrong, we worry. Yeah. <laughs> we do worry, you know, we, worry, we do, I mean, you know, but that's that's more about you want yeah. to please, yeah. you know, you know, yeah. you want to be like going, right, I've got I've got what they've got in their head, you know, you just yeah. want to that but you know it is a collaboration and yeah. that is the thing about theatre as well it's, yeah. it's not about making a pure yeah art they don't say person. make that and you make it and this these are the measurements yeah, well some of it's like that but you're you know you're you're, you're right. adding a lot more onto it than right. that um you know it is it's it's a, a kind of a team thing yeah i mean i've seen as you know a couple of the productions yes, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> mostly i suppose because uh uh i was at anthropocene was that also that what it was yeah. called yeah uh, was a librettist. Uh, um, Louise Welsh. Yeah, because yeah. we know Louise. Yeah. So we went to two of her. Yeah, to the devil inside. Yeah. And... I mean, I thought it was amazing. Yeah. I mean. I mean, and that's really interesting because that's yeah. new opera. Right. So you know right, that's right. that's like, you know, the most kind of cutting edge that you yeah. can get, um, musically as well. Yeah, I mean, I found the music. I mean, the music was very different in both. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Not tell you which ones I liked and which ones I didn't like, but uh, I, I found the whole thing fascinating. Uh, and I, I mean, I was very aware of the kind of scenery and the props yeah. and all these I mean, things. Certainly, Devil Inside yeah. looked very, very simple. I supervised yeah. that show, and it looked really simple. But it was one of those ones where right. something can look really simple, but oh my gosh, it's a pain in the neck trying to right. get everything look so sharp and clean. You know, it right. doesn't look like there's much going on. Yeah. Anthropocene was a tricky show technically, right. um, and I didn't, I didn't supervise that. Right. Um, but that was a, that was a tough. A tough yeah. show for everyone, actually, you know. Right. Um, 
acted creatively. So. Looked like it was a tough show for the, the photo on the stage yes, as well. Yes, there was a lot say. of blood, wasn't there? <laughs> 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 and then you couldn't get much different from, we just opened Tosca, which has right. been going for 40 years. So. Right, right. And then on the opposite scale, that's the idea of what people have of opera, this big right. lush, you know, right. Puccini. Uh, what, do you th what do you prefer? Do you prefer the kind of modern stuff or the more traditional? Um, I mean... I like I do like I'm I'm not a huge opera fan. Right. Don't get me wrong. I'm, it's not like I'm, I much prefer ba um, ballet and dance. Right. Okay. Um, but don't get me wrong. There's nothing better than sitting in the auditorium, you know, right. and listening to the orchestra pipe right. up, and you see all this incredible. Yeah. I mean, the opening night was gorgeous for Tosca, yeah. but yeah. I mean, as new operas, we just did Breaking the Waves in right. in Edinburgh in the summer, and that actually. For a new opera, that was incredible. That was the Lars von Trier film, right, okay. which is set in Sky, and it's incredibly, incredibly right. tough um, piece about a young woman um, being brutally raped. Uh, it's real. It's, it's Lars yeah. von Trier. It's really tough, yeah, right. but as a piece of opera, it was incredible. Yeah, right. Like it was, when people say they're going to have, a, a, you have an incredible reaction to a piece. You know right. when you see it. I've never had that since, right. you know, in 20 years until right. I saw that. Ah, right. okay. And actually I was like blown away and I was right. like, this is what they're all talking about. This is genius. <laughs> yeah, well, it was, yeah. it was, it was sometimes, it wasn't even, I had that reaction when it wasn't even on the stage, it was in the right. rehearsal room and everyone ah, was out right. costume, ah, right. which sometimes I find, I feel more moved by. Than the actual uh -huh. end result. Because, yeah, yeah, because people are out of costume, yeah. barriers are removed, yeah. you're sitting in a room and you're closer and you see the pure emotion. And um, the Bacon of Waves is a really, really tough opera, right. and it you know demands the singers to be really strong actors right, as well. Right. And I was sitting in the rehearsal room, and I was blown away, and I ended up yeah. sobbing. Right, and right. and I usually am very much. It takes me a lot before I can actually switch into the story because I'm right. so busy looking at everything, yeah, yeah, how it looks, so. you know, yeah, and what's going yeah. on and what's going wrong, you know. That itself is quite interesting to see the. The mechanics of their discipline, mm. you know, the acting, the singing, yeah. the, you know, the storytelling, the, yeah. you know, uh, how people put things together. Yeah. I mean, that's, I guess that's the thing when you realise the opera company is such a big yeah. machine because, yeah. you know, you've got our technical side and yeah. then you've got the musicians, but then you've got the directorial and the choreo, yeah, you know, yeah. the choreographs and the movement and everybody working to get the best out of the singers, you mm -hmm. know, it's... It's huge. <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting place to work and an interesting thing to be doing. I mean, yeah. that one, the last one, which was the one, I can't remember exactly how to say the name or even remember what the name was. Was it Am? The Anthropocene? Uh, yeah, that one. Yeah, that, one. Yeah. Uh, that one, the previous one, what, it, what struck me actually was the notion that much of it's your own imagination. Yeah. Much of it you've got to su supply. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. as an audience yeah. and, it, and that the uh, way it's presented allows you to do that mm -hmm. you know your kind of the, the expectation is that you will do that yeah. uh, and how things are set up and the audience knows right away how it works you know, and I find that quite interesting as well yeah. <laughs> you know it's not uh, literal no. as in you know yeah, I think yeah. I think there's probably some operas going back yeah. in the day that are very literal, but yeah. like I think the more modern ones, they just yeah, maybe do, that's what it is. It's more do, modern. They do leave approach. you so yeah. much. Yeah. yeah, it's like kind of psychological space. Yeah, the the the, uh, the stage is a psychological space. Yeah. I think they called physical it, space yeah. entirely. I think they yeah. actually called Anthropocene a, a psychological thriller. Oh, like, right. yeah. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah, so you you're on it. Fascinating. 
Uh, but I mean, I, I tend to listen to the music as well, uh, just because I, I tend to follow music. You know, yeah. I, just the way my brain works. Yeah. I, I follow the threads of the music. Uh, sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't. It just depends. Because I tend to think, because of the way I, I can hear the construction. Yeah. I'm sure you can look at our stage and see how things oh, are absolutely. made. Yeah. You know, but well, I can do the same with the music. music yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because when my dad, like sometimes I'll, I'll ask, you know, the parents if they right. want to go along to a dress rehearsal. Right. And I, I just because my dad's retired now and right. everything, I just and he still plays, but I know, in my head I don't give as much credit. And he'll come away and he'll be the same as you, right. Jim. He'll be like, "That was very good at that bit musically yeah, yeah. and blah blah blah." And I go, "Gosh, he, yeah, he knows yeah. his stuff." You know. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, even though I'm not uh, a classical musician. I mean, I've listened to a lot of classical music mm. over the years, and I'm, you know, I'm not in that world. Yeah. But I think if you can all play music and create music yourself, you've got a sense of how things work. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't matter what the whether, and I've heard, you know, I've heard plenty of modern music, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter what genre is or what what they're trying to do. You can still tell what's going on, mm-hmm. yeah. and you can still hear the music, the composer's thought process that's yeah. what I hear anyway I hear the thought process and I can sometimes hear what the what they think their intention is yeah. which they never made they never never got it but yeah. <laughs> but I can hear their intention Tension. <laughs> only in my opinion did they not get Didn't there, get there. <laughs> but that's yeah. some, something to do with my tastes I think you should write reviews <laughs> No, I would be no. I shouldn't write like write reviews actually. Be uh, too honest. And too, I would be, yeah. I shouldn't write reviews. Uh, and even when I meet people to collaborate and stuff, sometimes I think mm, I can hear too much where you're coming from. Yeah. <laughs> I can hear too yeah. much about how you're constructing this. Uh, and sometimes I don't think it's imaginative enough. Yeah. <laughs> too basic. You know, like, I don't know, I, 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 an example might be, like, if I listen to a piece of modern music, which is like a five-note scale, repeated mm-hmm. over and over and over and over again, uh-huh. different different sequences, I think, hmm, that is tediously boring. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no development in it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a technical piece. It's been constructed in a technical manner. Yeah. And I can see it and hear it. And I don't find it interesting. Yeah, I've switched off, basically. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So, yeah. so sometimes you hear that and you think, yeah, he's trying to be, uh, or she's trying to be cutting edge. But it's dull. Yeah. It's funny, you know? though, like, talking about classical music, I, I heard, um, I went to see The Crucible right. in the ballet, and the, the music for that was abs, and it was new, it was right. a new composition. Well, oh. I think it's just to do with whether the person themselves has got the skills and the talent and the genius. It's, oh, not, it's, it, not, the, it's not the technique it's anything to do. You know, it's not the yeah. it's not the they chose to do it in a particular way. That's irrelevant. What they what some people end up with is something that which is genius, and what other people end up with is something that's not. Yeah. Well, this is <laughs> yeah. in a storytelling front. This the music and this, I think you probably love it. Yeah. It was just so that everyone kept. Coming yeah. away from it, yeah, going, yeah. the music, the music, you yeah, know, yeah. It was, yeah. you know, and I don't think it happens that often, you know, that you get really like, wow, about, you know, one aspect of yeah. a piece. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it's fascinating because, of course, you know, it's like the classical music is such a widespread mm-hmm. of, uh, I don't know, approaches and, what, and the prejudices mm-hmm. of different composers and people, etc., what they think music is. 
what they won't touch, uh, you know, sort of what they think's cool, what they think's in, what they think's fashionable, what they think, whatever, credible. Yeah. And a lot of the credibility stuff seems to me a lot of the time has too much of a, uh, an influence on composers. Mm -hmm. They won't do it in a particular way because they don't think it's... Because they think what other people will think about it. Yeah. So we yeah. have a we have a, a composer a composer in residence right. here, and it's usually we also have emerging artists. Right. So they have a, a younger composer who's at right. the start of their their career, and um, uh, we have this guy Liam uh, Patterson, and he did um, a piece called Bambino a couple right. of years ago, and it was for babies. Oh right. It okay. was like that's six six yeah. to eighteen month year old, right. and. They very much, they, you know, the, the education department, they do, a, you know, they do pieces for children all the time, but they wanted it to be an actual constructed yeah, opera. Yeah. And it was incredible. Right, right. Um, but it was so wacky and so out there, but right. without being, you know, annoying. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, it, 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 was, it was such beautiful music. And, right. But they did a lot of research into how children respond oh, to music right. and, and yeah. language. Yeah, um, yeah. And it, it was magical, you know, every yeah, now and then you get that. a new piece that you yeah. just go... Because it ended up actually, it was on, um, it, it was it open, opened in Manchester um, International Festival right. and it ended up, BBC Six were, uh, music were going crazy for right, it. Right. And I, I thought, well, that's okay then, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> good. Good. talking about credibility. But it, it wasn't trying to be anything. Yeah. It was, you know, it was really just a really special composition. Yeah. And... You know, I think there'll be lots of attempts in here probably to replicate that. Yeah. And I don't know if it'll happen because it was very. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's, uh, when I say credibility, I don't mean necessarily that they want people to like it yeah. as in the general public. Uh huh. Yeah. Because <laughs> a lot of the time <laughs> they, don't general, care, yeah. they don't care about the general public. Yeah. Thinks. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's the classical world seems. I mean, I, I don't know enough about it, so this is probably not true. But they, they seem to be a bit too worried about what other folk mm. within the classical world yeah. and other composers and other, you know, think, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's right yeah. today, you know. What did you get? Hundreds of years of history of music that you... Yeah. <laughs> lots of geniuses. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Anyway, I think we'll, we'll, we'll... I went on a bit. I'll cut out as much of me as possible. <laughs> Sorry, I went on a bit as well, don't worry. <laughs> we should probably bring it to a close. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how we'll do that. What can say other than... Thanks very much. I'm now retiring. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, thanks for agreeing to, to be interviewed. Thank you. I found it fascinating. So did I. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> A bit different from, from probably some of your other interviews. It's been Hopefully. lovely. No, it's been really nice. Thanks, Marion. Yeah. Thanks, it was great to chat, and I have to say I'm proud to have such a successful cousin. That's all for this week. We'll catch you. Well, this week. That's all for this podcast. We'll catch you the next time. Bye for now. <laughs>